0: broken launch your first day
1: We pray God will bless us once again as we come to worship Him and as we come to hear the preaching of God's word. Also, we welcome our dear brother Norman Hopkins once again who's comes to minister God's word to us. We pray God will bless you and be with you as you bring God's word to us this evening. On Tuesday at 9am we have prayer for revival. On Thursday 7.45 our prayer meeting is Bible study to be conducted by Philip. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Saturday 1pm we have a picnic on Plumpty Common. Uh, any questions on this would you please see Richard or Sharon. Next Lord's Day our services will be held as normal probably 11 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock in the evening. My brother Ian Terry will be ministering God's Word in the morning my brother Father Sanny will be ministering God's Word in the evening. following the service we'll um, and our church fellowship
2: at the back thank you very much thank you cliff it's a joy to be with you once more we pray that god will be with us as and bless us um as we worship together bring greetings as ever from my home church waterford i think last time i said that our brother paul and beryl hadn't been very well but thankfully they have both fully recovered um and are certainly feeling much better This morning I was at a little congregation in Raynham called the Granary and uh, it was a joy to have fellowship with them. So let's turn to our God and ask his blessing this evening. Our Heavenly Father, we are so privileged to gather together in the name of our risen Saviour. We are privileged to lift our voices in praise and worship. Lord, you are worthy and we have so much to give thanks for. We pray that you'd help us to praise you from our hearts. And we ask you, Father, as we gather together, we may gather around your word, that we may come with open and teachable hearts, and that your word may instruct us and guide us, and perhaps even challenge us. Lord, grant that the Holy Spirit will be moving amongst us, opening our hearts and glorifying Christ, so that we will grow in grace and we will be the people that we should be. Hear us and be with us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're turning to the supplement, and number 11, as you will see. I've got two fairly new ones. Don't expect me always to lead you in the singing, because I often choose hymns on the words, um, not on the tune. So I hope we can help each other this evening. Number 11. come with me to Luke's Gospel and chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, and uh, we are going to read from verse 49. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him, because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. May the Lord be pleased to add his blessing to his own inspired word. We're going to continue our worship as we sing together. And it's 342, 342, Spirit of God, descend upon my heart, wean it from earth, through all its pulses move, 342. pray once more father we have been singing in our hymn a prayer asking you to teach us and we come Lord very aware of so often we are ignorant of the things we ought to know and the things that we ought to do and how we thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit the comforter and the teacher the guide and the helper. And, Father, you know that without his movement in our hearts tonight, our worship will be lifeless and unfeeling. But as we gather, Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the Holy Spirit of Christ come into our hearts, drawing us closer to you and to one another. We ask, our Father, that you would teach us. Teach us from your word. Teach us your ways. Teach us in all the things where we are deficient. Teach us things that we may have forgotten. Teach us, Lord, to be challenged, to serve you and love you better. We come with praise because of your great goodness to us. Lord, as we think about our own lives, our families, Our homes, our clothes, our education, our health care, our freedom. Lord, what a lot we've got compared to so many in the world. What a lot we've got compared to previous generations. Oh, Father, we thank you for the advancement of technology and medicine and uh, the understanding that we have and the knowledge that we have that generations before did not have. But Father, amid all these blessings, it's so easy to forget that you are the giver of every good and every perfect gift. And it's so easy for us to forget that you're the giver and prize the gifts more than we prize you. And it's so easy, Lord, for us to misuse the gifts you give us. It's so easy for us to get slack in our discipleship, and in our devotion to you. And you know our weaknesses, Lord. And we pray, Father, that you would more and more be close to us, helping us and enabling us to do all that we ought to do for your sake. We come and we confess our unworthiness, and we confess, Lord, we need you to continually forgive us for the lapses and for the besetting sins that are common to all of us. We pray for cleansing. We pray for assurance of salvation. We pray for enrichment in all the graces to glorify you. And we come and we pray for one and another. We pray for those who can't be here, some because of frailty and old age, some perhaps because of illness. Maybe some are away for for recreation and holiday. Be with those who are away for refreshment and change. And for those of us who are here, Lord, grant that we may know that this time together tonight has been appointed by you to speak to us. Grant a blessing upon the church officers here. Thank you for their uh, care and their concern and their oversight, and for all that they do for the sake of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for all of those who have particular roles in the life of the Church, whether working with children or boys and girls, or outreach ministries. Thank you for all of those who have such an important place. And we know that some do practical work which is unsung and often unnoticed, And there are some who just are faithful and loyal and prayerful who may not have had practical gifts particularly but are spiritually minded and are there to support and encourage and bear their testimony of faith. We ask your blessing upon all of the people here tonight, particularly for the young people as they uh, go back to school or back to college. Be with them, we pray. Grant them your presence. Help them to trust you if they change schools or classes and have to face up to new situations. May they bring their concerns to you and know that you will give them all that they need to face the changes of life. Be with all the families we represent. Lord, we thank you for grace that brings families together in the kingdom. But some of us have got families On family members who do not know you at the present time. And again, we prayerfully lift them up to you that your mercy and grace will reach them. We pray for the work of outreach and mission and pray, Father, that those who do various works of distributing your word, of translating it, of evangelism and of teaching pastors and of distributing literature Lord, there are many varied works of outreach that go on today and we rejoice to pray for that and to support it practically. We pray, Father, then for your kingdom to grow and to come and we pray for our country, Lord, as we face a situation where a new Prime Minister will be unveiled tomorrow. We ask you to be with them. Grant that they may be people, that st- a person that will stand up for righteousness, for freedom of speech, for godly living rather than immoral living. Lord, what a task faces the incoming Prime Minister with all that's going on in the world. Our Father, we just commend that person to you, that you would help them to give proper leadership to our country that will lead people towards you rather than downgrade the laws of our land. We ask you, Father, to hear our prayers for our our ministers and for our members of Parliament and for those in the local communities. That, Father, there will be some open ear to hear the voice of Christians and biblical wisdom. So, Father, we commend our country to you at this time and pray that you'd hear our prayer and be merciful to us. So, Lord, we just come before you. There may be other things on our hearts, silent, unspoken prayers. Lord, hear them all and abundantly answer, because we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing the famous hymn by Francis Ridley Havergall. Does require us as we sing that hymn to sing reflectively. It's reminding ourselves of our desire to be committed to the Lord Jesus. 8:30 Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Please come with me to the chapter that we read, and it's in those closing verses that I seek to bring you God's Word. The message would be following the Lord Jesus wholeheartedly, or perhaps the cost of discipleship. Really, this message tonight is a sequel from the message that I brought you last time, which is earlier in Luke's Gospel. You remember that we spoke from chapter, uh, chapter 9 and verse 23 onwards um, of taking up the cross and following the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus is returning to that subject as he engages in dialogue with his disciples. And uh, it's that passage where the Lord Jesus is speaking to two would-be disciples, but also warning them of the cost of following the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we have uh, a war going on in Eastern, Eastern Europe and I'm sure many of us marvel at the courage of the Ukrainians and they are fighting to defend their families and the freedom of their country. They feel that they have a cause that is worth fighting for and suffering for. And there's a great cost for many of them in doing so. In 1941, Winston Churchill took to the airwaves of the BBC to deliver a radio address to the nation. And we then were also in the middle of a fight for our lives. And he said to the people of our country, We shall not fail or falter. We shall not weaken or tire. Give us the tools and we will finish the job. And there our Prime Minister was giving a rallying call to the people of our country to persevere in the good fight against Nazism. Our people sense the importance of that fight just as the Ukrainians do today. They understood that if they lost, they lost a great deal. But there is also another fight that believers are called to wage. There is a cost in following the Lord Jesus and being his disciple. And the Lord Jesus, particularly in this passage, is warning us that when he calls us, it may mean a sacrifice of some of the comforts, of our lives. It may mean that we have to make commitments and change our priorities. It may be that some of the concerns that we have in life have to be changed as we pursue discipleship. The Lord Jesus in the context is determined to go to Jerusalem. The Lord Jesus knows when he goes to Jerusalem the people will turn against him. And it's his commitment to do something difficult that is the background to this challenge to his disciples to be prepared to do things that they may find hard. It's almost as if the Lord Jesus was saying, my own determination to accomplish the task God assigned to me, whatever the cost, is to be an example to all of you who follow me. So when a person would say to the Lord Jesus I will heed your call to follow you the Lord Jesus would say well do you realise what that's going to mean? Now the three men that the Lord Jesus engaged in dialogue all thought it was a good thing to follow the Lord Jesus. And of course it is a wonderful thing to follow the Lord Jesus. There's no one else like him. He is unique. He is the only saviour. He is the only hope of eternal life. He is the only infallible teacher that gives us guidance for our life and tells us what lies beyond this world. And certainly it is a most essential thing that we follow the Lord Jesus in sincerity with commitment. Some of those people that were following the Lord Jesus, some of the crowd that were listening to him, were rather weak in their attachment to him and sometimes when he challenged them with things that were difficult to understand or called them to do things that would be difficult to endure they turned back and they walked no more with him i do pray that no one here tonight who hears the words of the lord jesus will have that temptation rising in their heart thinking it's going to be too difficult To be a Christian. Because although the Lord Jesus is going to be very honest with us tonight about being a disciple, the Lord Jesus will stand by us all of the way in our life as Christians. So let's first of all think about this first man. Verse 57 As they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. So Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So the Lord Jesus is travelling, and as uh, they were uh, walking along the road, they were engaged in conversation. And uh, this man had obviously been listening to the Lord Jesus, had obviously known something about the Lord Jesus. And uh, there, publicly, he volunteered to publicly follow the Lord Jesus and serve him as a disciple. We've got no reason to think that this man was insincere. Uh, He uh, has this wish in his heart that he would be able to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was quite willing to contemplate giving up his life at that time to go and be a follower of the Lord Jesus. There were rabbis... Um, at the time of our Lord, who would gather followers. And for a while, people would put themselves under their teaching and be educated and trained by them. And this man is surely thinking that it would be a wonderful thing to be more exposed to the teaching and the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, that was the feeling of his heart from the text. But the Lord Jesus... Uh, gives a very enigmatic response and it's an honest response because he didn't want this man's uh, commitment and this man's uh, willingness to follow to be something done impulsive. Now of course you remember that the Lord Jesus had crowds who were listening to him. Remember how he fed the thousands and how people enjoyed what he provided for them Uh, and there were many thousands at one time. Jesus was popular, and uh, this man perhaps has got a rather glamorised view of what it will mean as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got a desire to be associated with one who is so famous and so popular. But perhaps the man didn't know fully what it meant to be a follower of the Lord Jesus. Perhaps he hadn't thoroughly worked out what it would mean If he did, become like one of these students of a rabbi to the Lord Jesus and be more devoted and give more time to his discipleship. Jesus is asking him to count the cost. The uh, very insightful writer J.C. Ryle puts it like this. Uh, Jesus would enlist none on false pretenses. Jesus would have it clearly understood that there's a work to be done and hard things to be endured if we purpose to follow him. (laughs) Salvation he's ready to bestow freely. Grace, by the way. And glory at the end will be given to everyone who comes to him. But he would not have us ignorant that we will have enemies. There's the pressure of the world. There is our own sinful flesh and the devil. If we become disciples, he doesn't wish to discourage, but he does wish us to know the truth. So Jesus explains what he's driving at. He warns that the man's life as a disciple will mean sacrifice. (coughs) The Lord Jesus said, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, foxes were quite common in the time of the Lord Jesus in the countryside, and they would have their holes or their lairs and their hideaways, and they would launch out at night making their nightly raids, as they probably do all around this area. They certainly do in strude. And uh, the people would be very familiar with birds having their roosts where they would go at night. And I'm sure you will know a particular roost of birds um, around here. There's a roost of, um, of, of herons near, near where, where we live, and starlings, particularly as we come into the autumn, will all be gathering together in roosts. The Lord Jesus says to uh, the foxes, they have their hideaways, their homes, their safe places. Uh, and the birds of the air have their homes and their safe places, their roosts and their nests and they return to them again and again. But the point that Jesus is making is that these creatures have their definitive dwelling places that they can go home to, but he is entirely different. The Lord Jesus is moving from place to place. He doesn't have his regular home to go to at night. Yes, he will have a warm-hearted discipleship, Who will, disciples who will be hospitable. Yes, the disciples will have family members who open their home. But the Lord Jesus doesn't own a home, doesn't even have his own bed. He's dependent on others to provide for him. What's the point that Jesus is making? He's not saying that if we're going to follow the Lord Jesus, we've got to sell our homes. He's not saying that we've got to not deny ourselves all of the things that we value and give us comfort in our lives. He's not saying that we've got to be a traveller, a travelling missionary like the Lord Jesus was. No, what he's saying to us and as he was to that man? If we are Christians, there will be times when God wants us to step outside of our comfort zones, outside of the things that mean so much to us. Very often things that we've taken for granted have to be changed. Some people may, when they become followers of the Lord Jesus, have to change their calling because they no longer in good conscience can do that. Changes may well come in discipleship and we have to be ready for that. We love singing John Newton's hymn, Amazing Grace. And after years of the wretchedness of a, a uh, captain of a slave ship. Uh, John Newton experienced the amazing grace of God, and he got a job as a tide surveyor at the port of Liverpool. He was earning about two hundred pounds a year, but then he had God's call to enter the ministry of the Word, and from earning two hundred pounds a year, he ended up having an income of just. 40 pounds a year in Olney in Buckinghamshire in a rural parish. His life had to change as he followed the Lord Jesus. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that when we commit ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ and his people that there's going to be changes in that way, but there will be changes in our priorities and what is important. The area of our financial giving will be impacted. We will want to show our gratitude to God by setting aside a portion of our income out of love to him and his people and his kingdom on earth. There will be an impact on the way we use our time. We will want to set aside time as we do on the Lord's Day and it may be that during the course of the week there are things that we can do in the life of the church. There may be things that we can do in the community as Christian witnesses. Uh, It's very strange, isn't it, that though we seem to have a shorter working week and uh, people often have set holidays, people are still very busy and haven't got time to do things. Um, There will be an impact on our time. And uh, we must remember that. The Lord Jesus is calling us to remember the sacrifices he made to save us and calling us to do the same when he lays it on our hearts. You know, when we're young, we have more energy, but we also have uh, more pressures. And when we're older, we may have more time but less energy. And uh, these changes come and we have to adjust to what God wants to do with that part of our lives. So the first man is reminded reminded, uh, that the Lord Jesus made great sacrifices to come into our world to redeem us and he sets us the example and he particularly warns this man about an emotional attachment. Think about it says Jesus. It's a wonderful thing to be my disciple. There's nothing more rewarding nothing more fulfilling but be prepared to count the cost. Then there was a second man that came along And actually the Lord Jesus initiated the conversation. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So the Lord Jesus engages with another man. We know that the Lord Jesus elsewhere said there are many who are called, but few are chosen. And he's aware that this man has a conflicting commitment. This is, his reply was, let me go and bury my father first. In other words, before I become your disciple, he said, I want to do this. Now, it's, it's an interesting um, reason as to why he's not going to follow the Lord Jesus immediately. The the commentators spill a great deal of ink in trying to work out um, what is going on here. Um, So let me give you the, the possibilities. So the man wants to fulfill the duty of the oldest son and bury the father and be near him to make sure he gets the inheritance as the oldest son. Now, what we know about the Jews is, being a hot climate, bodies decompose very quickly. And so they would bury their dead, often within a day. But the mourning period, the mourning for the loss, would go on for ten days. And the Lord Jesus is aware that uh, this man who says um, he needs to do that before he follows the Lord Jesus, that uh, willingness to follow may wear off after ten days. And the sense of urgency and the sense of the importance of following Jesus may well evaporate during that period. There's another explanation. The man may have wanted to remain near the body of his father for up to a year to rebury the bones. Now, after the funeral had taken place and the period of mourning had lapsed, the body would have laid in, been laid in an open tomb. And then after about a year, the oldest son would take the bones of their loved one and put them in an ossuary box and then place them permanently in a tomb. That was part of the way that you honoured your father or your mother, even up to death and for a year after death. So this man may be possibly saying... Look, I I, I need to bury my father, but maybe in a year's time uh, I will seek to follow you. Third thing could be this. The man was saying that he had to stay with his father until he had to bury him. Now, even if the father was thought to be near death, he can't have known how soon he would pass away. So that time of staying with his father was an indefinite period. His father might rally and live for months or years. So this man who says he wants to follow Jesus after he's buried his father is, is, is speaking in a way that to us seems very dutiful. So he's very right, very conventional. He's showing real family love. He's going, showing uh, uh, attachment to his elderly parents. The fifth commandment tells us to honor our father and mother. And Paul tells us in the uh, first letter to Timothy, uh, if we don't take care of our own families, we're worse than unbelievers and have denied the faith. So there is a right place for our care and concern about our loved ones. And there is a right uh, way in which we follow conventions and show respect to our loved ones, even when they're deceased. I remember an old lady when I was at Whitstable and uh, used to visit her and, and she used to be very often upset because her daughter didn't, didn't visit her very much and her daughter lived in the same town. But she knew that her daughter was often busy doing things at the Catholic Church. And it so upset her that she got time for the Catholic Church but no time for a mother. Christians will always do their best for their loved ones. When we follow Jesus, it's very likely that we will care much more about our families than perhaps we even did before. But Jesus is drawing a line here. Jesus is saying there are times when we follow him that we have to put him far first. There are times when we may not have to listen to what our families say to us, They may hinder us in our discipleship. They may call us to make compromises if they are not believers. It is possible for family members and family life to hinder Christians in discipleship. Some people have been known to delay public commitment to the Lord because of what relatives will say because of what relatives will act like towards them. Some believers have been known to stay away from church, to have a family day together, rather than prioritize the Lord and his work. We we need to take care, as the Lord Jesus was stressing to this man, that the most important thing is to respond to the call of the Lord Jesus to follow him. You see, the man really needed to prioritise his life. And the Lord Jesus says something that would, must have been most shocking to the hearers at the time. And I'm sure that you and I are quite shocked by what Jesus said. Allow the dead to bury their dead. It sounds harsh. It sounds hard, doesn't it? The man surely would have known what the Lord Jesus said. You see, for the Jews, they knew what it meant to be dead to the law or dead to sin. It meant that the law and sin had no hold on them anymore. And so the people of the world who don't know Christ are dead to Christ. They don't hear his voice. They don't desire to follow him. They're not interested in him. It's as if he doesn't exist. And the Lord Jesus is saying to this man, this uh, would-be disciple, if you're seriously interested in being a disciple, there are times when you have to let others take care of family matters. For as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. It's a disturbing statement on face value. But it's meant to shake up the disciple, not because Jesus doesn't want us to care about our families, not because Jesus doesn't want us to care about funeral conventions, but he wants to emphasise how important he is. Let me quote Ryle again. It costs something to be a true Christian. To go to church is easy work. To hear Christ's voice and call us to follow and confess Christ, Christ requires self-denial. It will cost us our sins, our ease, and our love of the world. Our Lord would have us count the cost. This disciple had to think about what is the most important, his commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom, or even other situations that might arise in his life. You see, at this point in time, there is a crucial moment that has arisen. The man is confronted with the call of Jesus. And instead of responding, the man, though he's got interest in the Lord Jesus, is putting off the call of the Lord Jesus to another day. There is a very real danger in all of us. When the Lord Jesus is speaking to our hearts, that we put it off and we find a reason. This man appears very dutiful as a son and a family man, but he—he, he, Jesus detects he's postponing his commitment to a later date. Now, if heaven and hell are true, and if death comes at an unknown day to any one of us. Isn't it urgent that we make our peace with God and we are committed to the Lord Jesus before it's too late? To commit our lives to the Lord and be baptised and give our testimony to others and be involved in the life of God's people is a big step. It's never going to be easy. It's never going to be... Slick as we start the Christian life. There will be misgivings maybe. There will be temptations. There will be opposite pressures. But we have to make that decision and make that stand because God will help us. The great Augustine of Hippo was an actor, a brilliant man. Became the greatest theologian of the early church. The greatest theologian, Bar Kelvin. And when he was under conviction of his need of Christ and his his need of forgiveness. He was having this battle between the lovely life he got and then having to give up some of those sins that were so enjoyable. And in his confessions, which are his prayers, articulated, he prayed, Lord, convert me but not yet it's easy isn't it lord convert me but not today and this is what the lord jesus is dealing with i believe in this man and he's dealing with it very graphically there's a third man and the lord jesus is pointing out other concerns Still another said, "I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family." Jesus replied, "No one has put, it, no one who puts his hand to the plow, and looks back is fit for the service, in the kingdom of God." So, here is a man who is going to feel the pull of old attachments. The man says he's going to follow but only after he's gone home and said goodbye to everyone. Again, it's, it's impacting, perhaps, on the family. Saying goodbye is really hard, isn't it? Uh, we've had to say goodbye to our daughter. She's off to the Middle East recently. She's expecting a baby, and you know, who wants to go to Abu Dhabi to see a little baby in the hot climate and everything, and There's a tug of the heart and it's an emotional farewell. We're not going to see her again until she's a young mum with a baby. Goodbyes are really hard. And sometimes there are goodbyes to uh, a favourite place where we uh, have lived. Sometimes there's a goodbye to an occupation that has been very fulfilling in our lives. Sometimes there's a goodbye to a school where we've been very happy with friends. Sometimes goodbyes are really painful And in the course of life, we have to say many goodbyes in different situations. But what Jesus is doing with this man, he's saying that these attachments may make us hesitate and even make us stand back from discipleship. The Lord Jesus is all for family ties, but we must always remember that the people who belong to the Lord Jesus are our family, our spiritual family. We're told that a time in Jesus' ministry in Matthew 12 was while he was talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. And the Lord Jesus is indicating that though we are blessed with our earthly families, if we belong to the Lord, we belong to a greater family, a worldwide family, of all of those who have got a new nature and all of those who love the Lord Jesus Christ as we do. And surely he's reminding us that if we're disciples, we won't be losers in following him. We'll have an even bigger family, an even more caring family in the people of God. And we will lose nothing of lasting lasting value in our discipleship. And the Lord Jesus talks here about no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Surely the Lord Jesus is thinking of Lot's wife. Remember how God delivered Lot and his wife from the destruction and the ugliness of the sin of Sodom. And uh, unquestionably, Sodom and Gomorrah were wealthy. Life was luxurious. Lot's wife had a good life she had many valuable things and pleasures that she was having to leave behind and you remember as they were called out by the angels on their way she looked back look back of nostalgia maybe a look back of oh i'm leaving all that behind it means so much to me what does the future hold i don't know and jesus knows that this man's heart is divided He would be in danger of cutting his ties from his old way of life. He's got to make a clean break. And there are some situations in life where we become disciples, we've got to make a clean break with some things. Some things we've done before, they may not be particularly sinful even, but they may be time-consuming, money-consuming. And the Lord Jesus tells us to look ahead and go forward. He uses an agricultural figure. The the, the reference surely is to Elisha's call. When God called Elisha, Elisha left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come after you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burnt the ploughing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Elijah's enigmatic response to Elisha's request to say goodbye was, what have I done to you? What he was saying was, yes, you can go back. But keep in mind the serious nature of the call that God has given to you. Yes, say goodbye to your family. But do remember God is calling you to something greater than being a ploughman and a farmer. And with the man that Jesus is talking to, he's aware that this man is in danger, that going back and saying goodbye... His heart is going to be wrenched and he's going to think twice about following the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus is giving us these words of no man who looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I don't know whether you've uh, got a big lawn and, and a lawnmower. I don't know whether you ever take notice of a football pitch with its very straight grid lines going across it. it. Can you imagine some of the footballers who uh, keep an eye on the grid lines to know roughly where they are on the pitch? (coughs) Likewise, a ploughman has to plough a straight furrow. How can a man plough straight? Well, he looks ahead and he sees the furrow that lays ahead, and he keeps the oxen... Or the plough in line with the furrow laying ahead. Otherwise, if he keeps looking around and gazing around, or having a look who's there, or having a conversation with somebody in the field, he's going to leave a wiggly furrow. He's going to be the laughing stock of the community. Just as if you m- mow somebody's lawn and don't focus on what you're doing, you- you're going to. It's not going to be a very uh, creditable mowing of, of somebody's lawn, is it? you have to keep a straight line so to put one's hand to the plough is a proverbial expression to say stay focused on what god has called you to do stay stay committed to what god has given you to do keep your mind on that as a priority It's very easy for us, isn't it, to have a very split mind, split priorities, and lose our focus. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 1 said, But when God who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace and was pleased to reveal his Son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man. I suggest to, the Lord, suggest to you that the Lord Jesus is saying to this man, don't go home and discuss discipleship with your family or your farm workers. Just accept the call that I have given to your mind and to your heart and to your conscience. Because there is a great danger in discussing things that some may discourage. Some may have said to this man, well, Are you really fit to be a disciple? Look at what you've done in the past. Look how you've behaved. Uh, Look at your wasted life. So this third man the Lord Jesus is dealing with is a man the Lord Jesus wants to keep his focus on the calling that God has given to him. Now, some of this, of course, will apply to full-time Christian service, Christian ministry, uh, and other full-time service But the main thrust of it, and the main thrust in the context, is would-be followers of the Lord Jesus. And he's calling all of us to remember that the calling is the most wonderful thing that anyone could have, to follow the Lord Jesus and to belong to him. There is nothing more fulfilling, nothing more that is right nothing more that is rewarded than being a committed disciple how thankful we are here to sit tonight in peace and freedom without a Nazi government how wonderful it will be if the majority of the Ukraine maintains its freedom but they will have got there through strength they will have got there through commitment They would have got there through devotion to the task that God has given. And we as disciples of the Lord Jesus have a kingdom worth living for, a saviour worth dying for. We have a wonderful call. We sang that hymn earlier, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord to thee. And there are many challenges of expressions in that hymn of (coughs) Ridley Havagos. But the important thing is, at the forks in the road of life, who's getting the priority? Who are we going to be devoted to? (coughs) Who are we going to follow? Whose wisdom is going to lead us in our lives? We may have to sacrifice some of the comforts, some of the conventions, some of the customs. But it's worth it. There was a new student who uh, put a notice on his desk at university. And uh, there was a great deal of interest aroused by fellow students. His little notice on his desk said, I'm willing to be third And his friends wanted to know what it meant. And when they asked, he answered with a big smile. Jesus first, others second, myself last. May God help us to be like that. May he bless his word. sing 771, and as you realise, timing is somewhat tricky, and uh, we will do our best. 771. you for the promise that you will go with us as we follow you. Help us not to be daunted or put off or distracted or misled by anything, but help us to look to you alone and be committed to you alone in our daily lives. Grant us your grace and strength (coughs) to do this. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of us now and evermore. Amen. Amen.